Welcome to episode 138 of the Winning Six podcast, official podcast at BehindBookPass.com. I'm your host site expert, Adam McGee, and joining me as usual is contributor on site, Jordan Tresky. Hello there, Jordan. Hello. That was labored. I don't know what <laughs> happened at the end of that. That was... That was an old man letting out his last <laughs> yeah, breath. Call. That was his final breath. It was just, oh, no. That was my Uncle Leo impression. <laughs> Jerry, hello. Like, now that you mentioned that, the similarity to your regular hellos. You know. Anyway, we're not here to talk about Uncle Leo. I mean, we can be, but we're not. We're here to talk... I was old man. I was confused. We're here to talk books. Um... We did an early summer league podcast this time last week. And little did we know that that didn't need to be kind of qualified with the word early because that might as well have been all that the books did in summer league. No wins after that point. One and four, am I correct in saying? Yes. Um, I didn't. I didn't even watch the last game. You you decided that you would like to live tweet it, which is the least surprising thing ever. Because, I mean, that's your Super Bowl. The the literally the most meaningless possible summer league game is Jordan's Super Bowl. The one where no 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 no. no. It's it's all about the the tournament. Let's get hyped for the tournament. And they had the lead. Let's let's not gloss over oh, this. God. They had the lead. They had it. What Jordan and is, of course, crumbled. talking about is the fact that we were about 30 seconds away from recording an emergency podcast last week when the books had the lead against the Summer League Kings, who had no healthy point guards virtually. Um, they didn't have a whole lot going for them, and yet the books just, you know, choked it away as i pointed out I, I think on twitter during that game i think i live tweeted that one uh, the dj wilson dead ball baseline turnover from the inbounds right at the end <sighs> gave all the tony snell flashbacks just like game six all over again the books falling short in a winner go home game thanks to a, a brutal late turnover I wasn't planning on talking about Summer League until later. Are we going to do it now? Are you that eager? We'll... There's just, I mean... We're here. Okay, we're here. We'll do it. <laughs> you are Mr. Summer League, as we've, as we've highlighted. 
can you find anything positive from this some of the experience for the books i would yeah i mean sterling brown i'm was very impressed with sterling brown i yeah i was fawning pardon the pun but i was fawning all over sterling sterling brown during is that the right use yeah that works Sort on of. deer at the bucks get it yeah, yeah. uh <laughs> um dj wilson had to find something like two i mean, there's definite positives to take away i would say but alas we miss the tr- we go one and four again and miss the true glory of the summer it's awful. I mean, Summer League basketball is the worst. It is the worst. It is it's not, not the worst. See, this is what I this I had a specific problem. You're not the only one that do has expressed this opinion. People that I noticed this this year really crystallized for me when you know I, I was watching this, and it's taking away the joy of Summer League. Summer League is supposed to be easy. It's supposed to be a lax effort low expectations, but the people that complain about the quality of Summer League are the ones that take it the most seriously. I don't think it's it seriously. can be... Jordan, okay, yeah. there are people who that may be true for. Let me break down my case. <laughs> when the books are in Summer League, I am... Hey, but the other thing, listen, no, 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 when, the books, when the books are in Summer League, I am working. I have to stay up late to watch these games, and they're like that. There is nothing light and easy about that for me and this is just for me this is a unique kind of situation i know okay i am going to have to live tweet a significant percentage of these games (laughs) i'm going to have to recap all of them in some form i'm going to have to speak about them on podcasts this is not light and easy for me so maybe maybe i'm harsher on summer league than some because I have no choice but to suffer through it. I got, there were people telling me, actually, I think it was uh, the Brew Hoop account at one point telling me, you know, just, oh, yeah. <laughs> just step away. I was told, you don't have to put yourself through this. That might have been by a regular mailbag uh, question sender, Alex Hopper. Might be wrong on that, but... The problem is, I do have to watch these things. This is this is how it works. This is what happens when you you're in July and your team has no cap space and you've got a Milwaukee Books website to run. So maybe that's just me. I don't the other, know. This is the other thing about it. We're we're all watching summer league because it's basketball. We see the Lonzo balls. We see the Dennis Smiths. We see the Kyle Kuzmas. Having fun. Okay, I didn't see any. Of, I didn't see any of these. I'll be honest, because I wasn't watching anything outside of the books. You won't let league. summer league in your heart. That's why you're a vampire. You're a summer league vampire. I am a vampire. I mean, <laughs> you don't like garlic. <laughs> I know that's definitely not true. But I don't. I, I'm nocturnal. I just it to me is like you're saying it's basketball. It can be fun though. That's the it's problem not, that I have with this. Is that we we don't have good teams, and it goes back to what I was saying last week. When they start taking summer league serious, that's when the championships will come. It starts in July. Jordan in Las Vegas. They had a starting five of guys who 
will all be on the roster and they two guys come off the bench who are on two-way contracts. That's a deep that's deeper than the other this is the other thing too. <laughs> the Brooklyn Nets, they have no first round or like per, like the prestigious prospects on their team. They make it to the semifinals. I'm I'm just or quarterfinals whatever it was. They made it to Saturday. Sorry. Yeah, but that's, that's a team. Come on. Come on, yeah. let's talk about it. Okay. All right. All right, we're here. Let's talk about the difference between the books at Summer League and the Nets. I feel like I'm going to play in some of your things here. One, <clears throat> the Nets don't have their 26-year-old assistant coach coach the team. Kenny Atkinson coaches the but team. That so. is another detail that we that did not surface before last week's pod. During it was the Kings game. It was the last like truly competitive game. Mark Jones on the ESPN broadcast utters the most kid-like detail that we've ever heard. In our, we were we make fun. Or not make fun. We have fun at kids' expense with the stupid little comments he makes, <laughs> or decisions like when he was, you know, all this stuff. Basketball players, basketball players, yes, wearing jerseys, yes. all of those things. <laughs> we have fun. We think it's fun. So we are truly annoyed by. It, but there's just it's it's the rule that you've all come to expect when you listen to Wooden Six. Mark Jones says, Josh Bronghammer. With two M's, not one. Well, it's it's Brohammer. G is nope. silent, one M, but okay. Brog hyphen hammer. Says he didn't know he was coaching the team until they got to Vegas, which was the week of Summer League. Didn't we what? know that before then? I feel like we knew that before I... then. Mm. Is there a chance that we knew Josh Brohammer was coaching the team before he did? I mean, that would fall in line with the book summer of 2017. (laughs) We know before other people know their decisions. (laughs) Did he get there expecting like other assistant coaches to be there? And he was just on his own. And he's like, oh. Yeah. Like Stacey Ogman and uh, Vin Baker, they're all looking at him. He's like, what? He's like, come on. (laughs) What? (laughs) You're You're the head coach. That's the other thing. I mean, if that just uh, it, uh, my summer league gears have been grinded to a halt, and that's that shows that's exhibit A of why we're not taking it seriously. Championships enough. start in July. Yes, as in it's now July. So if Josh Brohammer is coaching next summer, now is the time to tell him you've got twelve months to get ready because you've got to deliver a championship. Getting back to the Nets before you brought it to that detail. Kenny Atkinson coached the team. Uh, that's that's a significant advantage in Summer League. Very significant. <laughs> that's a significant advantage in NBA games. That's what allows the Nets not to be as bad as the roster has been. They also had multiple players that have real NBA experience though. You say okay, lacking the first pick, and you're right. And this is again, you're gonna go. Yeah, I'm all, I you're gonna go. The books something... needed to do this. They needed to have Brogdon. I... But I'm saying, I'm saying, when you think of summer league, you think of the Lonzo Balls, you think of the Dennis Smiths, you think of the Kyle Kuzmas. Yeah, the headlining ones. But you also got the fill in the cracks, the supporting cast, 
And they had it. It's just the constant disrespect to Summer League that I can't stand. Uh, you know what I think the deal breaker for me was is that Akile Polinara didn't play a single minute. That was odd. I wonder did they just want him to come and work out and kind of have a look and get to know him considering he has a new deal for next year. Maybe he wasn't actually given permission to play, just like practice. That is true. His I believe he his stuff or his I get it's not really a contract, but we knew of him coming over to Summer League. No, I'm talking about for Summer League. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's a contract, just a non-guaranteed one. Anyway, but we knew of that before his he Actually, landed one with Dynamo. Is it Dynamo Cesara? I don't know why. You, you made it sound way. You didn't make it sound very Italian, but yes, I'm pretty sure it is Dynamo Cesara. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that could be one reason for him. But hey, we've really, I mean, from not really wanting to talk about, we've already got sucked down the rabbit hole of stupid summer league details. We haven't talked really about the books players yet, so if we're going to talk summer league, let's do some of that. I mean, we did the, uh... on. Okay, we'll start here. My good friend, comfortably the book's best summer league performer. Comfortably, average sixteen points per game, shooting fifty-one point seven percent from the field. 3.6 rebounds, 1.8 assists, 1.0 steals. We can finally say, hey, he played well in Summer League. He's almost like a college basketball player now. Um, it's not really, like, I'm not going to kind of retread over everything we did last week. I made my stance on it pretty clear of just, okay, this is nothing. I really don't care until it's like, game one of the 82-game season, and if he's in the rotation, which he probably will be because they don't have a whole lot of options, and we see what he does, and we see if he does anything of note. Are you taking something more of that? I mean, the one thing I guess we can say is that you don't want to take a whole lot from him succeeding there, but at the same time, if he had of been kind of the invisible man again at Summer League, well, that really would have spelled a problem. Is there a chance he's maybe got himself something of a lifeline just by showing, okay, this is better than what he's done here in the last two years? Um, I mean, I guess it's not. I don't really feel like like you said. I don't really feel any different about his summer league uh, compared to what we were talking about a week ago. At this point, really. Um, sure, he had more of his worst performances in the, the the two games after we talked about his summer league, but I, I don't know. It's it's again like okay. Say for example, before he gets to play that real NBA game that I talk about, the books are going to have to make a decision on his final year option of his rookie deal. Does this help him in his chances of having that picked up? I think it may be slim regardless at this point. But I, I guess you'd, you'd have to say this is some sort of positive. Like he hasn't he hasn't done anything to hurt his chances of having the final year option of his rookie deal picked up. Yeah. But I don't think I don't think the needle mood 
<laughs> he I just stopped it from moved. moving further backwards. Yeah, which I mean, at this point, it's, it's kind of a winner. Yeah, <laughs> it's like there you go. him standing still is better than him like tumbling backwards through space. Mm-hmm. Any concerns about the shooting struggles of DJ Wilson? Even even Sterling Brown, I mean, shot thirty eight percent from the field. Both both of them shot thirty eight percent from the field. Any concerns about that, or has Brogdon just killed that one for good? That hey you're getting a week, guys could be out of rhythm, whatever. They'll have more time to practice, get used to the three-point line. Not a big issue. Are you? Where are you falling on that? Is it enough that we just saw kind of snapshots of them being able to make shots from different places on the floor? Um, yeah, I, it's not going to... Yeah, I'm not really that concerned about it because, again... You're playing with the summer league team compared to guys like gra- gravitational forces like Giannis, uh, all this stuff. Like it's just, I mean, you can always have the rookie wall. Like like you mentioned, Brogdon, he had a great trade season, but we even saw it with Thon where he had like these crazy percentages on very low attempts. But even then, that started to tell, like fade big time during the last half of the season. I. I Hey, he showed his three-point stroke. That's really, I think, all. Here we go really for Brown, Brown or Wilson, because I'm talking about both. Of them. Both, both, really. Okay. Like I, I guess the place I'd come on that is Wilson. Obviously, has potential to be a stretch four. I don't think I expected him to be able to do it particularly well as a rookie. Like, I mean, if he if he shot twenty eight percent from three as a rookie, I'm not gonna be. Trying off alarm bells, going. This is this is a disaster. It's gonna be quite an adjustment for him. Um, so I don't know how overly concerned with that. I I think Brown will be fine. I just have that feeling, much like Brogdon, that with time to kind of acclimatize and get used to everything and get lots of reps in in practice with real NBA teammates. I, I think he'll be almost good to go as some part of the rotation opening night. Could be at the very back, likely at the very back to begin with, but wouldn't be surprised if he can work his way in beyond that. Uh, positive glimpses for both, I'd say. Gary Payton, too. I wrote this in something that I wrote, in one of those various Summer League recaps. I think he's the guy who this was the most high stakes kind of summer league on the entire roster. Even guys who are kind of playing for deals elsewhere. Gary Payton has the deal, but he's like clinging to it by his fingertips. His defense is just incredible. I mean, he's second overall in summer league in terms of steals per game. I think it was 3.3 steals per game. The only person with more is Donovan Mitchell with six steals per game. Well, that was... <laughs> That was only in two games, which I say only in two games. Averaging six steals across two games is still very impressive. But Gary Payton, too, played four games. Really managed to show that. And I was very impressed with him off the ball. Um, His shot is a disaster still. But Mm -hmm. off the ball, he showed really good ability to cut. Um, I think he was, in spite of his shooting troubles, he looked like a pretty positive force offensively when he was on the floor and he's someone 
in many ways you'd be concerned about okay what's he do for spacing but with better players too and other guys who can handle i think he'd get forgetting about off the ball and he moves well enough that he'd find easy opportunities inside he has got a little bit of explosiveness in him coming out of summer league two questions do you want to see gary payton too on the opening night roster and secondly do you expect to see him on the roster um, do I want Gary Payton to on the opening roster? I would like that compared to other alternatives. That's not the, that's not the question. I know, I know. I know that's I know, not I the question. We'll get to that. Do you want <laughs> Gary Payton to on the opening night roster? Yes. I do the do. Do-do. Jimmy Carter is smarter. That's the Simpsons reference. Um... Yeah, I thought I th- I would agree with you that he definitely had the most at stake the summer league, even with Vaughn's more so than Vaughn, just because he has a non-guaranteed contract, and as we said last week, and as you just said, he his flaws are very notable, and <laughs> I mean the fact that he can't really shoot consistently at all, like even when he hits threes, like the next like three point attempt, like it. It, the his misses are just really awful. They, we could say that they're really awful misses. They just clink, you know, like Travis Schlink's name. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> so, anyway. But anyway, um, but at, at the same time, all we're really talking about when we talk about Gary Payton too, we're talking about just third point guard minutes, and that's really five to ten minutes a game if you're consistently and a lot of them are just DMPs, like that's all you're really thinking about his role with the team. And if it becomes greater, sure. I mean, he's, he's got that. I like him a lot defensively, obviously that's really his calling card at this point, but that's not a very high bar to set. And I think he could go past that. But the other question, I, I'm going to say yes, just because it's all entangled with other stuff that we are going to eventually get into, but I would cautiously say yes. He will be on the opening air roster. I want him on it. Sorry. I want him on it. I don't think he will be though. Like they've got to, they've got to do some things to bring some people back to shed some spell. I suppose. Look, there are, there are avenues to that, but I'm not so sure. I think, I think you'll struggle. I think that's going to be a mistake, particularly when you've already locked up your two-way contracts. Um, I, I I think he's he's the kind of guy to me who I would just uh, look. You can't when he can still make the the main roster, but he's the kind of guy who I would at least see real value in having him locked in on one of those deals. Maybe the problem is that they want the option to have him for more than whatever it is, the 45 days that the two-way deal would allow them to have. So in kind of leaving things open-ended with him, that could ultimately hurt them. He could end up elsewhere. But I, I just do. I think he's very, very intriguing for a second unit guy. Just for if you're, if you're against a, a team who have a kind of a really strong offensive second unit floor general, and that's how they function when some of their stars come off the floor. I mean, you send him in, he could lock them down. Like, I really think there's a lot of guys, um, really, really high-level players that he'd be able to 
just bothered him defensively. He's a guy you could possibly throw in in kind of late game situations where you're you're playing offense defense. I like him. I, I think it's as simple as that. I like kind of his uh, his attitude, his demeanor when he's on the court. He really applies himself. He brings that kind of grit that is certainly in abundance on this book's roster. I think he's a good fit, and I think he's still got something. If he ever was, I don't suspect he ever will, but if he, if he ever was to discover some sort of respectable shooting stroke, not even a good one, then he'd really be a valuable player, and he'd be someone you'd absolutely want to have around. In the meantime, though, I think like for someone who's going to be a, a minimum-level guy, it's a no-brainer. Like, that's how you fill out your roster with useful players, and you don't end up in a cap mess. But, I mean, hey, we're already uh, too far gone for that one. But he will certainly help to to limit the damage a contract like his. That might be his saving grace. It's just that they don't really achieve anything by getting rid of him. To, like They're not getting under the tax by cutting Gary Payton to freeing up the roster spot that they then signed Jet to a more expensive vet man on, you know? So it's like, if you're kind of looking to get 15 guys who can help and shed salary, maybe he survives. It just depends on what exactly they want to do, what they're, I mean, if they are trading to do other things, well then maybe you're taking back more guys and you're sending out. And that needs, that leaves you with a roster spot needing to go. We'll see. We'll see what happens, but I, I think he has earned I think he's earned a spot for next season. I, I think he he was impressive late in the season when he did play. Once again, I think the shot was the one thing that really wasn't impressive. But otherwise, nice glimpses, and he's continued to build on that. Any final summer league thoughts? What about what about um Bronson Koenig and Jalen Moore? What about the two way guys? Um, that's a good question, Adam. Uh, Performance-wise, Bronson Koenig had a rough summer week or summer league week. He was awful. Yeah, it was it was pretty bad, and he just didn't. A lot of it, obviously, at this point, is really his shot, and obviously, he wasn't. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but twenty nine point four percent from the field. That might be higher than I thought it would be. <laughs> Honestly, because it was pretty, pretty rough. I think his highest was his highest scoring total for a game. The last game, it might have been. If it was, I would not know that because I didn't subject myself to that. <sighs> okay. <laughs> but yeah, his his performance is very. Yeah, it was not fun to watch because he was just awful. Um, Jalen Moore, on the other hand. More of a complimentary role, more of anything he did with the ball was kind of tough to figure out. He had a couple turnovers throughout the week that was rough he's to a, see. He's a but Tony Snell Tony Snell esque adventure at times with the ball. Yeah. Yeah, definitely in that Snell mirrors a camp of <laughs> the on the ball experiments, which I cannot wait to resurrect those <laughs> tweets this fall. Uh but he did shoot. I thought he shot well. 
I, again, don't have the numbers in front of me, but it was something. 41.2% for the field. He only he only attempted 17 field goals in total in five games, so he didn't shoot very often. And a lot of them were threes, right? I do not have, because some of the stats do not give you three-point numbers at all, which seems... What? I have no idea. Oh, this is NBA Summer League. The stats thing is a big problem. They take Summer League about as seriously as I do, is what I'd say from this, Jordan. This is what I'm talking about, folks. This is the league, though. This is not, If they don't take it seriously, why should you, Jordan? Last week, I gave three-point numbers out. You know what Real DM. Sorry. 42.9% on, okay. on 2.8 attempts per game. Three-point attempts, sorry. That's pretty solid. Very solid. Um... Koenig really troubled me, not by the fact that he shot poorly. That's fine. I don't think I've ever seen worse shot selection, and that is not what I thought I was getting here. I'll be very honest. I knew nothing about Bronson Koenig other than everything that I had watched, read, picked up throughout the draft process, as much as everyone kind of in my in my kind of range of interests as in Wisconsin basketball, books basketball, maybe been talking about it from a Badgers perspective during the season. I had done a very effective job of zoning that out. Um, that doesn't particularly matter to me. And so I was expecting, okay, he can shoot. I'd seen that in everything I'd watched, but I thought like this is a this is a sharpshooter who, you know, he's just gonna come off a curl, come off a screen, and bang. I, I wanted some sort of Kyle Corver. I would have accepted a really cheap knockoff Kyle Corver. He takes the worst shots I've almost ever seen. This was very strange. Is that is that indicative of who he is? Does he just normally make some of those shots? Is this like the ultimate tough shot express? Or was he really trying to force something just because it wasn't happening for him? I would probably go with the latter, honestly. Um, and let's be honest. I just have to throw this out here. I wouldn't say that's the worst shot selection a buck oh, has it's done bad. in recent memory. It was bad. I'm not saying it, was, it wasn't bad. But there are a few that come to mind. I'm <laughs> struggling. I'm struggling. I can think of worse There's shooters. There's a big one that they... Yeah, I can think of a much worse <laughs> shooter who I think might be who you're talking about. But I don't know if his shot selection... A lot I of his, know. let's just say his decision making wasn't uh, sharp as Koenig's shooting has come to be, or was. At, was well, it clearly was on this occasion. This was bad. Maybe, yeah. yeah, I'm like, I'm probably exaggerating, but this was bad in the context of this joyless basketball, Jordan. So for me, it probably amplified it. Coming out of Summer League. The Bucks at this point, I believe, are still the only team to fill both of their two-way spots. I think that's shrinking, though, with summer like teams summer league being over. I want to say the Clippers. Oh uh, no, it's more rumored interest. I, I like a lot of teams now have well a number of teams have filled one spot, but a lot of them still have one open. I think, yeah. To the best of my memory, and anything I've seen, I think the Bucks are the only team still to have both their spots filled. I'm checking the tracker now. Well, kind of, look, even if that's not the case, let's say it is for the versus question. This doesn't really matter. Have you got buyer's no, remorse? No, the wizards, wizards have it. Okay. Have you got the buyer's remorse that Book's Twitter seems to have? 
on the idea of this. Sorry. Or do you care? Is this where are you on the the books moves really fast to fill up their spots? These are the guys they've got. Where does Jordan Tresky sit on this? Because these are going to be guys who are mostly going to be at the herd this year. Uh, we know this is your kind of this is your kind of basketball. You know, this is not NBA basketball. This is your thing. Where are you on kind of? Is it just the case of the jury still out, or is everyone just being overreactionary? Like they are in everything, as we'll get on to very soon. Uh, well, yeah, that is the case, as always, these days. Everybody jumping the gun, jumping the shirt, jumping the funds, you know, all that stuff. Uh, but my problem with people, and again, this is not, this is taking into account bad performances like Bronson Koenigs, Jalen Moore, I mean, again, good percentages, but it was still a very... It wasn't a shining role, let's say. Um, but I just think people's ex- expectations for these two-way contracts at this point in time, it's a new mechanism that they just introduced with the new CBA, I think people have really high expectations, or ex- not high expectations, but expectations that these guys are going to be NBA players where they're not going to be. There's a maximum cap to how many days you can have them with your team with the NBA team. And a lot of that, honestly, is going to be dream practices. And if they are in the case where it's, you know, emergency case of, of injury or stuff like that, they have to suit up. Chances are the time that they get to see might be just garbage time, or they might be just like five minutes per every two quarters or something like that. Like there's, it's not this, like the problem I have is just, this trying to view them as NBA players. And obviously they're very talented players. There's a reason why the Bucks are targeting kind of, I would say Jalen Moore and Bronta Koenig are similar in how they are looking at uh, these two-way contract slots, but they're going to be G league players. They're going to, it's all about development. They need development. They need the, the process of having a G league team, uh, is to kind of mine, develop these players, create with the mold or whatever, the clay. I don't know what, <laughs> what I'm going with. But it's it's to the standard of being an NBA player where I they're not at this point. I think that's how we should all view it at this whole thing. And I think that's why with the introduction of the herd this, this fall, I think it's going to be an interesting – study to see how people react to it because you it, expectations for a G league team are not going to be an NBA team results might not be what people want, but that's not really the whole point of it. You know what I mean? It's like a, it's a minor, it's a minor league team. That's how you should really view it. I I have a big problem with the two, two way deals, but it's not the issue that anyone seems to be talking about. I don't even know how widely known it is. Um, I, I don't have a problem with, them signing Jalen Moore, Bronson Koenig, and them being the guys, that's fine. They signed both of these to two-year deals. These are two-year, two-way deals, which is the maximum a two-way deal can be. You can only have two two two-way deals, so they haven't just locked themselves into these two guys for this year, but also next year. So, I feel like, though, before you start to cut you off, I feel like that is par for the course with a lot of these deals that are coming through. It can't be one year, though. I don't think every team is going to 
sign Bodo, use Bodo for two-way slots on two-year deals. What's the logic in doing that? But it's not it's not necessarily the teams that are going to be doing that. I think it's more of these players, they want security. That's, I think, at this <laughs> point in time, because... You're, you, look, they don't have a choice on that. If a team wants to offer them a one-year deal, well, do you want a one-year two-way deal with the Wisconsin Herd? Or do you not want one? I mean... Like they, they they want security. They want a shot. This is their shot. I mean, well, yeah, you... but it's also knowing that you know after one season, you may not say if it's like a bad season or whatever. They have a bad season, or for other teams, like they may not the few teams that may not have a G League team at this point. I don't. I don't know. I I feel like it's just more of it's a new rule, and people don't really want to do it take that type of risk without knowing that they can... I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about. If it, no, I, I get what you're saying, but to me it feels like ultra-risk averse to the point of, like, well, I mean, if you're Bronson Koenig, great. I mean, I, of course you'd be so happy to get the one-year two-way deal with the books, but why Why would you want two years? Do you not want one year? Go be, like the G League MVP and then sign with the books proper on a on a actual NBA deal next year. It's that to me is kind of the you can always sign another year if, if you're good. If you're if you're not, I mean if it, it was all about guarantees. This is this is these are but kind the, of contracts the other... for the dreamers as well still, Jordan. I mean, these are guys like Bronson Koenig with his shooting out of college. He could go and get guaranteed money for two or three years internationally. He could do that quite easily. Guys do that. Guys make a career. They don't even come near the NBA by doing that. So for me, it's just it's kind of a weird arrangement for both sides for it to be two years. What's your two years security? Great, you've got two years where you're kind of stuck in limbo. I, I get there's advantages for both sides, but, but it's at the not, same it's time, not, I wouldn't. Uh, I mean, it is a different mechanism just because when they are with the NBA team, they are paid. It's not, you know, it's only the minimum. And it's, but that's a big jump from other G League players. But they don't have you know to I mean? be with the NBA team. Like, everyone's healthy. There's no reason why either of these guys are with the NBA team this year. But I don't think it's it's necessarily game day rosters. Like I said before, I think a lot of it is just going to be practice time. I don't think that's true because I know there are maybe it's changed but that would seem bizarre and almost impossible to police but i know in the past there's been nba teams who are in the same kind of city and share a practice facility like the books will that they would just do that anyway like i mean why not have scrimmages between the books and the herd at times that's kind of that's behind their own closed doors and they can do that i don't i don't see how that would be policed like that i mean they can kind of while the books are at home, there's no reason why they can't kind of be a part of some of that a lot of the time. Well, it's an unfair advantage because the herd logo has three deer, and there's only one logo for the bucks, or one deer, the logo for the bucks. That's a, I mean, that's basically a fast break. I don't know if the logos would match up against each other as much as the players. Sure is an interesting concept, though, Jordan. <laughs> We'll see how it plays out. I just, to me, the two years is what books. I don't have a problem with either guy. They could both turn out to be something that we are like, huh, maybe both of these could be books players longer term. I mean, that's obviously the 
the dream scenario, but I don't know what the books get from two years. I understand what you're saying. The players want two years. That's great. I want a two-year contract with the books. Guess what? The books aren't giving me a two-year contract. They hold all the cards in that negotiation. Speaking of which, <laughs> the books hold all the cards in some other negotiations right now, but yeah, that might still not translate to them using it as leverage. I am, of course, talking about the continued reports, rumors that books and Derek Rose, they're, they're not even reports of rumors anymore. It's actually fact. Jason Kidd, good, kind-hearted, honest soul that he is, just decided... Enough with the pretense. <laughs> I can't dance around this anymore. I've got to let my feelings be known. Jason Kidd wants Derek Rose, and he says Derek Rose wants Jason Kidd and the books too. This is something that I feel is going to run for another while yet before it probably inevitably ends up in Derek Rose signing with the books. What I'm going to talk about, we talked about this last week. And we kind of broke down a lot of the a lot of the the obvious things really of how does he fit with the team, mainly that he doesn't, um his injury problems, some of the off the court stuff. I'm tired of all of that at this point, and I'm completely exhausted by just the constant anger over this on Twitter is very exhausting to me. What I want to talk about as a result of that is I wanna I want to talk about the kind of the things surrounding it. So one is the reaction and some other details that I feel are kind of skipped over in this. I don't think that Derrick Rose is the player that books should be pursuing by any means. I also think the reaction has now jumped the shark, Jordan. Books Twitter has jumped the shark with this. Derek Rose doesn't bring everything tumbling down when realistically he's look, he's probably gonna be injured all season and play maybe 30 games if they're lucky. Like I just feel this has gone too far at this point. I have some theories on maybe why that is and why some things get overlooked that I want to get to in a minute. But are you at least with me on that? Is this just too much? Is Derrick Rose the worst player in the history of basketball? Is he completely going to sink the books from the inside beyond the point of no return before we know any details of like salary, contract length? Is it just hysteria for the sake of hysteria at this point? I mean, we... You and I don't really dabble in uh, the that end of any Bucks rumor or stuff like that when it comes to, at least in this case with Rose. We haven't dabbled in it. I just have just made jokes as usual. But uh, um, I, like everything, there is a nugget in all this that things are not going to change if they were the other thing too we have to we have to remember or remind ourselves here they don't have a roster slot or the salary cap space to sign them outright 
it's all hingy on other deals, like if they want to move a, a contract it's, out the book. It's books. not that complicated, though. Let's be real. It's it not that complicated, but it's... What their, what their motivations are and really how much they want Derrick Rose and how important the owners feel he is. Like, technically, don't feel like this is what's going to happen, but we can talk about obstacles. If they can't find a trade to offload salary, but they just can't... They feel like they can't pass Derrick Rose by. All it takes is Okay, let's waive Gary Payton two and taxpayers mid-level exception for Rose if he's willing to agree with that. And you're the tax. Like that's that's how it gets done. That's not the way that seems realistic that they'd want to do it. But it isn't all that complicated in terms of if they're really desperate and they really like the idea of Derek Rose. It's not hard for them to get them on the roster. That could be done just like that. And plus, they could do exactly that and still bide their time. Tony Snell hasn't signed his new deal yet. So that's the kind of... When when Tony Snell signs his deal, that's the books saying, we're done here, effectively. You know, a lot of our key stuff is done because obviously they can go over the cap and re-signing Snell, which is always going to be required. Mm Mm-hmm that's to me like it's not that difficult that's not the route that any soundings we get make it seem like the books want to it doesn't seem like the ownership are prepared to be taxpayers this year and that's understandable i would say that is wise but i don't think it's i think it's like a a reassurance for books fans to say oh well you know they've got to do this or that i could get rid of it roster spot like that and signed Eric Rose like that and you still have room to get under the tax if you wanted to or you could say you know what we just really want them let's pay tax yeah I just I think the 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 thing that keep I keep coming to um in all this really is that it it just doesn't it's it's not equal to the other signings that they have made or the draft picks that they have made over the last year or two years, really. Basically, since they brought in, I guess, since the new ownership. Just because Rose, he obviously carries a lot of star appeal even at this stage. I mean, his name is a, it's a big name regardless of how good of a basketball player he is. But obviously, they're there's the off the court stuff, which you can't ignore when talking about him in this, in this possibility. Um, and the guys that locked over lockdown bucks, they talked about did all the scenarios and they went over perfectly. But the thing that I keep coming to, and when I know that I know you made the comparison, I've, I've seen it also on Twitter is that, Oh, well you can, the best case scenario, you could think he's like this Michael Beasley microwave off the bench type guy. And that's certainly, I mean, that is the ideal role. That's, not too dissimilar to what we were talking about with the Dwayne Wade rumors two summers ago and last summer and the possibility that would, would have happened. But I just keep coming back to the, the guys just, he, it's not, I don't like the whole talk about Buck's DNA and all these high character guys. He doesn't fall in line with that to me. Do you, at do all. you believe any of that at this point? I don't, that's all I'm, just... not saying, I'm not saying I be, I'm holding that's, to this. No, I know, but I'm saying that's, that's all PR speak. I think the oh, yeah, problem, sure. problem at this point I have in saying, oh, it doesn't fit in with what they did over any period of time is, are, like, are we pretending that there's basketball people making decisions? 
that isn't necessarily the case. This could just be the owners are like, yeah, we really want him. We really want him. He's Derek Rose. There are a whole variety of reasons why for us, this is the right thing. We want Derek Rose. Like, it's been made very clear to us how involved they are in these decisions. Maybe the owners just want Derek Rose. So, like, there is, there is an element of this that, like, if we're tracking basketball decision by basketball decision, to me, you know, it's kind of like, okay, okay, okay. But we now know things are incredibly dysfunctional. Maybe the owners just want them. Maybe it's that simple. Maybe people don't like to think about that because that really is the death knell of all of this. People might want to make out that Rose would be the problem. The problem would be that if ownership were in a place where they're like, we really want Derek Rose, that would be that would be not exactly a positive sign for things to come. And that's kind of one part of this where I come down on. I'll get back to the ownership and back to potential motivations for this. I wrote about it during the week. I'll also talk about it a little. Before I do, I want to talk about the idea of, okay, book sign rose. As I mentioned before, as you referenced there, maybe they sign him and he is this kind of, you know, instant offense off the bench. I think there is a way, and I've said this before, I think there's a way where you can sign Derek Rose, give him a very specific role, and have him be relatively effective while, I don't even say when, while he's healthy. He's not going to be healthy. The way you can do that is he only plays when Giannis isn't on the floor, which means he's playing 10 minutes a game. So if Derek Rose wants to sign up, I don't like what they pay him. If they want to pay him full mid-level exception to do that for just one year, okay, that's their prerogative. But if he's here and he wants to help the team and give them something that they're lacking, we've talked about it over and over and over again. I think it gets overlooked. Rose's shooting is awful. Yeah, that makes him a bad fit beside Giannis. Just, you know what the solution is? Don't play him beside Giannis. Play him in the lineups that lack any sort of penetration, any sort of ball handling any sort of speed or skill to get to the rim okay why i don't think that's even being considered why it's just like this is the end i think this is kind of it's actually strange that it's unspoken right now but i think the unspoken element of this is even if rose was signed in that kind of capacity with that kind of understanding i think generally the fans aren't trusting that their coach would use him like that like, I, I think when you look at the way this is blown up, to me, I feel this is about more than Rose. Rose, right, that's bad. Okay, I get that. I agree with that. That's bad, but it's bad on one level of the scale. I think the only way at least I can wrap my head around and say, well, maybe this is blown up to the point that it has is because people are going, Rose, that's bad. But what's worse than signing Rose is signing him when you aren't exactly sure what the coach is going to do if he's going to just kind of draw a line under it and go this is your role uh, Malcolm Brogdon may be a former 36 overall pick he may be just a second year guy but he's starting ahead of you and you're just picking up scraps off the bench like if he if kid was the kind of if kid had demonstrated those kind of basketball decisions in his time as coach or 
you know, and maybe maybe that's just something then where you're like, okay, well maybe maybe they can sign him and Kid can make it work. I think the problem is we're not saying that. And even some of the reclamation projects and the books have had a number of really good ones. And to his credit, Kid has played a role in them, Beasley being one, but the approach of Beasley of we're gonna bring him in and it, you know, we're gonna play him. And we're gonna play him and he's gonna get big minutes at times and that's fine. I don't think that works with Rose. And I think some of this has to be based on just the the lack of trust in that if they did bring him in, that he wouldn't be running the show. That kid would stop that. I mean, I don't know where you fall in on that, but I feel the Rose thing, like we're putting it out there as Rose and it's it's not about Derek Rose anymore. It's like it's come at this time where it's a perfect storm of things. It's okay, it's a bad player, bad fit, but it's also at a time when we've just got over all the front office and ownership chaos. So we're saying, like, who's doing this? Where are the books at in terms of the decision making process? And there's still plenty of uncertainty over, you know, is Jason Kidd a good coach? Is he the coach for this team? So I, I feel like it's just being blown up something else and we're, we're making it out that's all Rose. Where it's not. He's obviously a major part of that. But there's also distrust in, well, okay, Rose is one thing, but what are they going to pay him? <laughs> that's a terrifying. We don't trust that they're only going to give him a really cheap one-year deal. If it's a really cheap one-year deal and it motivates them to get rid of Henson, like I think you've made this point before on the podcast, is that not kind of a win? Like, if someone had just said to you, like, if that was a trade, if he's under contract for one year on a cheap deal and you were shedding Henson's salary in a straight swap for Rose, people would be like, okay, let's do it. Like, if that's if that's the motivation you move off of that one-year deal, maybe that turns out to be like, huh, okay. It's the trust, though. It's the, the lack of trust in, well, what are they going to pay him? How many years are they going to give him? And then can kid actually understand that you know that thing if you're going with brogdon that's actually really good it doesn't hurt having a player who can do things that rose can do because brogdon lacks that but you need that off the bench and you only really need that when yanis is off the floor and you'd want to maximize that with shooters like if we could trust kid to just play him 10 minutes why couldn't uh Let's say a Rose, Middleton, Snell, Mirza, probably Monroe if you're in the second unit. But let's say Ton or even DJ Wilson as a small five. You know, this like really heavy shooting lineup where you've also got penetration. Why why could that not just be an option that actually gives you something different and gives you some offense when Yanis is off the floor? I just feel like it's blown up into something where it's still all about Rose, where like I, I'm 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 kind of resigned to the fact he's going to sign. And it's not going to be great. And I don't know. Maybe he surprises us. I don't really expect it, but I just think all of this has blown up to a point of something else, and no one's really talking about all of the other things. Probably because we've talked death about them over the summer already and over years to this date, but. This is still about so much more than Derrick Rose, the player. Like, Derrick Rose, the player, isn't as catastrophic as it's being made out. This is, what does it mean if your team is signing Derrick Rose, the player, and you can't trust your coach to recognize his limitations at this point? Do you think that's fair? 
Oh yeah. I I think that's where my that's what I that's that's my biggest like hang up with everything is that what does it all say? And it's uh, inevitably if this comes up and of course when kids comments came out Friday afternoon <clears throat> that has picked up the whole shadow kid role in the front office the the whole it's all interconnected and all this stuff and then again it just a lot of it just comes down to is he can kid that can kid coach him to the specific role that makes it at least palatable for all of us if in the case that this does happen and of course the other big the my thing is is rose going to be coachable in that sense because honestly, if you're thinking about a guy with all his injuries, he's 28 years old, um, a more limited role where he just kind of comes in, goes, I don't know, seven minutes per shift. Like, I, I keep thinking this in like hockey terms, but that's I can't think of anything else. But like just seven minutes per time on the floor. Um and does whatever he it is like I, I like that's that's the like what we all cling to at this point when any of these rumors inevitably come up. But I don't I know. Even, I don't really cling to that though, Jordan. I, like I think there there is a way where again I think the thing that kind of gets lost in this. We could talk about the positives or uh, negatives of his fit. Much more negatives than positive, but. Like his health is going to be the real thing. Like you could talk about that, and he could literally miss the whole season through injury. He's coming in with an injury to begin with. He could re-injure it and practice before then. It's like, well, okay, that was fun. Why did we all care so much about that? But like, this was something kid threw out there, which made me cringe. But is somewhat true is that he averaged eighteen points per game last year. Now that obviously isn't talking about how he gets them, which is not ideal. But what that does say is he can still find ways to score so that, you know, there could be lineups where if you're making that work again, I would never have him on the floor with Yanis, but there could be lineups where something gets going. And, you know, he is still, like, he has some good things there. I think he's one of the, the most intriguing players in the NBA in terms of just how unfortunate he's been, obviously true with the injuries, but also with the fact that it's amazing how I don't know if a non-big man has been as affected by the shift in NBA style in the years since his first injury to now. Like he was in a lot of ways kind of what you wanted and his own anomaly when he was at the peak of his powers and he's had injuries, and he's had injuries, and he's had injuries. And now he comes back, and at this point, it's like, the league really isn't the same for guys like him anymore. Yeah, I agree I think, that. And Russell Westbrook has taken what he he did in his MVP season at his heights and, you know, a leap further. When you think of athletic point guards that are capable of these just insane highlights, it's not Derrick Rose anymore no. in, in this current age I'm talking about. It's Russell Westbrook. And the other thing, one more thing about just his fit. I think the another hang-up with all of this is that when we talk about how do you make this work if it's going to happen, 
and you said it, I said it, I think everybody has said it in the best case scenario type type deals where we talk about limiting his time with when Giannis is not on the floor. Have most of his time come on the floor when Giannis is on the bench. And that to me is just like, well, when you're kind of already on that kind of when, – when you're thinking that, that most of his time should come when Giannis is not on the floor and that it's not to make it work – for the whole, you know, a five-man unit, it's basically just to, you know, have him get his shots and do it in as little time as possible. From not from a starting role, but from a you know six-man type microwave type guy off the bench. That to me is just like, like real, like I don't know. It's I don't, and I don't think so, though, because look, we've talked about this a lot. Like, there's there's no way of doing this, but as a thought experiment, like if if this wasn't a player with if the knees, okay, take the knees out of it. Not literally take the knees out of the player. That wouldn't be helpful. But take the injury history away. Take the take the off the court stuff in the last couple of years, and take uh, I guess take the the MVP, the peak. I think that's a big part of this. And I think like it, it's easy to kind of be like, oh well, Rose Rose wouldn't accept you know this amount of money or this, or it's easy to kind of mock him for that. That's one area I really feel sorry for him. I think that's... Again, there aren't other guys in the NBA you can look to for that right now. Like, his fall is so, so steep. Like, I understand the guy who was MVP and has kind of fallen from grace. It may have happened because of the way the league changed, but primarily, like, it's happened because of reasons out of his control, because of just constant injuries. That's not easy for someone to come to terms with, who, I mean, they're an athlete. That's what they were born to do, essentially. That's what they've done up until this point, and now you're telling them, oh, you know, you're not really good. It's not true any fault of your own, but your body has given up on you. I don't, like, I don't think people kind of get just how mentally tough that might be. If ever Rose is going to be humbled, and I highly doubt it will happen, again, that's not all just because he's an egomaniac. That's also because it's difficult when you've been as high as he's been in the sport. But if ever he was going to get humbled, it would be this summer where, you know, this is his first free agency he's hit where, you know, things are really bad. Whereas in he was, you know, it's past the point where anyone's saying, well, maybe he'd just, maybe he'd just be back and he'd just be Derek Rose again. We're past that this year. There's no real interest He's going to be fighting to get a full mid-level exception, most likely. I think the only team who will give him it will be the books if they could find a way. Like that's that says something. That says something in itself. I think if you take all of that away from it, though, and you give someone who can get to the rim, faster guard can get to the rim, um, good finisher in terms of layups at the rim, which he still is. Okay. You wouldn't be delighted about his lack of three point shooting or uh, his his tendency to settle for mid range jumpers, but if we kind of bundle that in some other player, take the the kind of landmark things on rows away and deal of what's probably the same sort of value, mid level player who can do the things he would do. No one would say, you know, that's not. That's not something that the books could do it, even if it is just for the minutes Giannis off the floor, because that is something they actually need. They don't really need that point guard necessarily for when Giannis is there. It is when he's off the floor. So to me, it doesn't seem as kind of 
well, if we're at that point where we're talking about him not playing with Yanis, well, that already means it's not an option. I don't know about that because... I don't think it's an option, but it's it's certainly... You know what I'm saying? I'm not. I'm not. Again, I'm not. I'm not the advocate for Rose. I'm the devil's advocate at this point, just purely, purely because I, I've had enough of just. I feel it's gone too far. Like there needs to be some more nuance in this discussion with all of the things going on, good and bad, uh, motivations for the deal, uh, where Rose is at, why he's the way he is. Like all of these things are just. It's just like no, no, Rose bad is basically the <laughs> point we've reached, and I just think there is you more. Are to making it. seal jokes. There is, there is a way. Yeah, I've, I've been the culprit of that. <laughs> um, look, I, I think he can give the book something they need. It's just it's all of the other things and the the lack of fate and how they use them that makes that kind of definitely. Um, unappetizing for both fans but I mean this is where we are I, I think to move it on to the other side of this I wrote about this during the week the books are looking to make a big splash they have been doing this the owners since they came in this is fact like it's Tom Hanks mermaid <laughs> I love how with these puns and jokes like when you you just spit out words. It's yeah. like words associated with splash. <laughs> it's really there. Tom Hanks, mermaid, <laughs> John oh. Candy. What about what about Daryl Hannah? Well, two first names and cross gender. <laughs> the books have been looking to make a splash for quite a while. We are now at the point where it's not the whole, you know, by the time we move into the new arena, we want to be that ship has sailed. We've got this season that we're in the new arena. So always stated goal was like a playoff team and kind of higher end playoff team where you're, you know, you're not too far away from contention. They're going to be that. They're going to be a playoff team. And they're None probably going to be... first round six game series anymore. They want the real three. Well, they want to... I think what they're looking for is to be swept in the second round. That's that's yes. that's the goal now. We don't want just competitive first round series. We want to just sneak through that and then get swept to the Cavs in the second round or something. I think they could do that this year. I think that's perfectly feasible. This is a team who's going to be in the mix for home court. May not get it, but they'll be in the mix. Then you're looking at everything else, okay? And as I said, I wrote about this, and I just found that it kind of a a beautiful coincidence that on the day, kind of on the day we're worried of the books looking to have a second meeting with Eric Rose came out as via Chris Haynes. There was also this story in the Chicago Tribune where Peter Fagan was talking about, you know, how do they how do they catch the eye of people from Illinois? How do they let them know we've got this great arena here? You should come down. And the Tribune did this whole piece on it, which looked at things like, you know, proximity, that for plenty of parts of Illinois, they will get to the new books arena quicker than they get to the United Center. There's obviously the factor of the Bulls are an absolute tire fire right now. Like, if you think, you know, the books are bad, well, get all that other kind of front office dysfunction. 
without having good players in your roster. That's the Bulls. Point that was made in that, though. The Bulls right now. Only one kind of, one Chicago native on the roster, Dwayne Wade. Which, I don't even know how how attached the Bulls fans would be to him as a, as a Chicagoan. Right, Chicagoan? Is that right? I think you're right. I don't, I don't feel they've, they'd feel like he's the real deal. You know? But, anyway, I don't wanna, we've, we don't need to get back into who's really from Illinois, who's not. I mean, that's a staple of this podcast. <laughs> but we don't need to go there again. Oh, maybe he's, a, he's another guy who could come into this. Um, if the books are looking to draw in more attention from Illinois, more attention maybe specifically from the big city, the bright lights of Chicago, You've already got your Barry, who is Chicago true and true. You've now, as was pointed out to me on Twitter, I actually didn't have it in the article. I didn't know, I'll be honest. You've got Sterling Brown, also from Chicago. Mm. The Pony Express. If you bring Derrick Rose in, I think people probably forget just because he's really bad now. But that guy was like, he was the savior for the Bulls for a while. When you look at how they had been post Jordan, and then to actually have hey. a star, not you, Jordan, the real, <laughs> the real Jordan. To have a star, someone who could bring them deep into the playoffs, could win MVP honors, who it seemed like had this kind of unlimited ceiling at that point. And to have them be for Chicago, that meant the connection Bulls fans had with Rose was particularly strong. And okay, things weren't great at the end, but they've got so much dysfunction. I don't think Bulls fans would hold that against Rose as much as they'd hold that against the front office. Yeah. He is a big draw. He's not only a big draw if you're looking to attract people from across the border. Everyone in state, more casual fans. This is, again, like... If you want to add an MVP, former MVP from the last decade, very simply, the books have one option. It's Derek Rose. Or Meta World Peace. Was not an MVP. <laughs> not an NBA MVP from the last decade. But if you want to get someone who's been on that level, who was the face of like Adidas basketball, any of that, you're gonna, this is your guy, this is your marketing opportunity. And this is, this could be the difference between, what is it, 18,000 seats in your arena? Uh, maybe just shy of that? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's actually just over it. I think it's like 18,096 or something. Oh. Uh, that's a right, the number is in my head, could be wrong. <laughs> Don't fact check me on that one. Um, but let's say if it is that, if it's 18,000, like the idea of, oh, they've got Derek Rose and Yanis, and they've got Jabari and Chris Middleton. So, well, Rose could be the difference between 16,000 17,500 capacity. Damn it. He could, be, he could be the difference in your last 1,000 to 2,000 people for, you know, those slightly less exciting games, but where people are like, I mean, the books. Books are good now. The books have got Derrick Rose and Yanis. That, to us, seems absurd. 
that I think to books Twitter seems absurd, but I think part of what's lost on this is like <laughs> people who are involved on any of the subsections of NBA Twitter to the point where like news of a meeting is dramatically stressing them out. It's not even news of a meeting. Chris Haynes' report was they were in talks to schedule a meeting. That's what it is. Like, Oh, yeah, like, but look, we've had a meeting. That was the second yeah, yeah. meeting. But the people who like are that kind of deep on that and that worried about that, they're not necessarily the people who go to games. There are much more casual people who go to games who Derrick Rose is a big name. I've heard it before, like particularly anywhere in the Midwest. Even more particularly in Milwaukee. I mean, who in Milwaukee hasn't heard Derrick Rose's name before? I just think that can't be understated, the importance of that in this happening. And it shouldn't be reassuring, because if that's the case, that's not John Horst in his new job going, it'd be really good for the team if I could sell more tickets for New Arena. Like, that, that is, without a doubt, then you're saying, okay, ownership are really pulling strings on that. But that's something that I don't agree with as a good thing for the basketball team. But I can't say, like, I don't understand why they could possibly want Rose. There are reasons why they want Rose. They're just not reasons that are going to please basketball fans. Yeah. But at the same time, if we're looking at it through a marketing lens, they're not going to gallivant rose around like the face of the franchise and i'm no, not saying that you're saying that i'm not but, saying that you're no saying but they that. yeah but that's the point is they don't have to because yanis is that guy but everyone knows like your casual fans gonna be like everyone knows yanis now but you'll have lots of people like oh they've they just got another star and that's look we get i've had personally tweets of this nature i've seen plenty on the site account where it's like but, you know, Derrick Rose will be the guy who will push them over the edge. They just need someone of that caliber. People, Not everyone knows what the most diehard NBA fans know. Like, they are going to be in for a disappointment, but you're going to get a kind of a decent period of time where you could still kind of generate interest just by people being like, oh, let's, why not go to a Bucks game? You know, the kind of people who, they're not going, they're not season ticket holders, they're not going to... 10, 15, 20 games a year, these are the people who they might once every two years go, let's go to a books game. The books are a fun new thing, particularly when the new arena opens and there's curiosity about it. But like, oh yeah, new arena. They've got Giannis, he's an all-star. Derek Rose, wasn't he an MVP? They have Derek Rose now. I, I just think it's like that. Obviously, he's not going to be pushed his face to the franchise. And let's be real, this is not his finest error in terms of timing of pushing him. Yep. At the same time, I I don't think, and this is sad, this is not something I'd be pleased with, but I don't think that's kind of left this permanent stink on Derrick Rose as a marketable name. That says a lot about the culture we live in, but I think that's probably true. That That whole thing is one of my more cynical theories i think i've and i'm not exactly a mr optimist generally but i i do feel that one is kind of i very much buy into it 
but it doesn't give me a lot of joy because I don't like again what it says with the general direction, which I think is is really what all of this is about. But I just I can't look past that he's still a big name. I want to say as recently as last year, as in start of the season, uh, Derek Rose was top ten in jersey sales. I I think you're right. <laughs> I think he might have been in the top twenty five this year. I'm sure he was. Like, I'm, uh, and there is Nick's jerseys I'm talking about with that. I, I distinctly remember that. Um, I even remember just kind of as a, I guess, the ultimate kind of microcosm of this. I, I've probably brought this up before on the podcast, some sort of side note. But every year when I go to uh, London for whatever the NBA London game happens to be, they have a selection of jerseys that is, for an NBA diehard, we'll say, uninspiring to say the least. Guaranteed to be there, though. Derek Rose jerseys. Derek Guaranteed. Rose of, this is not the most updated. Why am I not looking at the most updated? <laughs> but this is April 11th of this year. Derek Rose is number 12 in terms of top 15 most popular NBA jer- jerseys. Tell me why, if you're the ownership, and as I mentioned in my piece on this, you have a new a new arena, which, okay, state funding has helped you on that, but you're going to have lots of expenses within that. All the maintenance is yours. You've got another new arena that you have involvement in with your entire new staff and everything else that's involved in the Wisconsin Herd. You've got a brand-new practice facility. You've got a lot of expenses on the line. Tell me why you don't want someone who... Particularly, okay, maybe they do get a one-year deal, and they're like, okay, it's a one-year flyer, pretty cheap, and we're going to sell a ton of jerseys. I mean, uh, it's it's not something that, as basketball fans, as people who are like, well, you know, who can the books get that turns their point guard rotation around that's the perfect complement for Yanis that allows them to go from uh, 42 wins, well, 42, 43, 42, right? Yeah. Um, 42 wins. In season... Be- 42 wins to 50 wins. What is the difference? Like that, this isn't something anyone who thinks like that is going to want to hear, but why do the owners want him? Why could this deal happen? Uh, a guy who you might get for, who knows? They have no competition. If they actually leverage this properly, maybe you only get him for like, not even the full mid level. And he basically pays for himself in Jersey sales, <laughs> you know, like, why do the owners not want that to happen? I think that's that's something that people don't want to explore, don't really consider. But it's a real thing here. I hope I got some of this across. I feel like this is something that people are going to hate listening to. They're going to hate me because I drove it. Jordan did the sensible thing. This occasion, Jordan not saying much, made it made it that I'm the one who could be in the line of fire here. Again, to stress, I don't think it's a good idea that you should sign Derrick Rose. I won't be happy when they do it. Uh, I just think there's there's a lot more to this discussion than people have been prepared to have. And I think the more interesting things aren't just getting bogged down in the Derrick Rose on the roster, what that does to the books as much as what does it say if Derrick Rose is on the roster? You know, What does it say about everything else in terms of the structure of the organization and where they're at in terms of decision making. They're all the big things to me. All of the most interesting elements of this 
from my perspective, come from off the court because I think they're all a really big motivations if you decide to sign Derrick Rose. As the old saying goes, I feel bad for our fan community, but this is tremendous content. <laughs> Before we finish on this, my one last thing. You mentioned earlier, you kind of alluded to it, the kid did the weird interview that I spoke about as well, where he he confirmed that the books wanted to meet with Derek Rose again and that Derek Rose was interested, all of this stuff. You said it a weird way too. The way he's like he has interest with us. Oh yeah, I know. I, I, and we have interest in <laughs> like, yeah. It's like this reality show way of saying it. It was just very robotic and the Jason unnatural. Kidd way. It's the Jason Kidd yeah. way. What that did though was bring out this whole wave of kids making the decisions again. Look at him. This is a typical kid move. I don't know if kid makes any decisions anymore. I I honestly. Like, I think there's another way of looking at this, kind of building on a lot of what I've talked about. Like, if if it's the owners that are making much more of the basketball decisions than we'd like to believe, and Kid could just be the ultimate company man, I don't think that kind of... That, to me, doesn't seem like it doesn't fit. Like, if if that's what the team wants to do, and you're... Let's remember, he's not exactly on the the strongest of footing either in terms of job security. So if it was coming down from on high that we really want Derek Rose, what better way to uh, impress your owners, to push forward the, the company line than to go out and be like, yeah, we really like Derek and Derek really likes us. Yeah, you know, I, I think it's, I'm increasingly doubtful about just how strong his voice is he just happens to be someone we're naturally going to hear speak more often. So it's easier to accredit some of it to him than maybe it is to the owners or to, I don't know, Jordan, Rod Torn. I hate to bring, bring a Torn into this Rose discussion, but like these are, these are things we don't know. And I just, I was kind of interested by how that flared up for everyone. You know, it's kid, look at him. Kids' fingertips all over this again. This is MCW all over again. I don't know if it is. It's it's not. It's certainly not. Does this yeah, feel like a kid uh, player to you? I don't even get that out of it. No. I wouldn't say I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily describe him as a kid player. Kid and play. <laughs> so I take from that you're inclined to agree with me that like any any interest in Rose could be coming from higher up the food chain than Jason Kidd. I don't I, I really have no idea. And I don't This is all speculation. Look, that's not much yeah. this is yeah, but I just I honestly don't I don't care. <laughs> I know that sounds really dismissive, but it just like at this point it's either it's going to happen or it's not. It's and that's why It's going to happen, Jordan. That's, that's why you got bones about it. It's going to happen. Okay. I had to, I had to stop our, uh, our friend and co-expert in the site, Ty Windish, from 
from writing up a draft of Derek Rose signs the Milwaukee Bucks the other day. He wanted to do it, and I, I had to step in and stop him and be like, tight, just don't do it. He's like, oh, we'll be ready when it happens. I'm like, yeah, I know, but let's just, let's just not do it and see what happens. But I'm very much confident that he'll be a book. No one else wants him. No one else wants the books either, I think. So they're in this spot of, for what they'll have to offer, you know, they're not going to have other names they could get. The clock is ticking until he becomes a book. Let's move on to the mailbag. The first one from at Duke Runner 14. If you had to rank every NBA coach on a 1 to 30 scale from least to greatest, where would Jason Kidd be? I think we did this before around the time the ESPN thing came out. Um, yeah. Bottom 10. Mm-hmm. Maybe not as low as everyone would instantly think because when you start to do that, there's some bad ones, but bottom 10. And again, a lot of it is, it's not necessarily, that, that was the thing about when we were talking about the the whole coach rank ESPN article. Um, a lot of it, the perceptions was they, some of these guys may be good coaches, but it's all because of the players they have with the team that they have and all that stuff. So, yeah. But anyway, I would definitely say Bob and Ted. From at Ryan Magziers. I've mangled that. I apologize, Ryan. But you'll know who you are. Would you trade Yanis for LeBron straight up right now? No. I wouldn't trade Yanis for anyone in the NBA straight up right now. And that's, I mean, we're not even going into the off the fact that he's on a one year contract, basically. He's an impending. No, this is agent. just like this is take contracts out of it, even. Yeah. It's, it's basically like there are guys better than him, only a few, but guys better than him right now. But then Giannis is, Giannis is the best player of his age in the NBA. And if you take where the books are at, or, and if you take just wanting to be successful longer term. Yanis is the guy. I mean, he is the guy in the NBA. From at Dukes MCH. If we sign Rose, what is the percentage chance we regret it sometime this year, or is it more of a question of how much we regret it? Um, The one thing I'll say on this while you ponder. So it's percentage. I'm struggling now. Understand what, 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 much... what chance we regret it sometime this year, or is it more of a question of how much we'll regret it? I mean, don't we all regret things in our life from time to time? Well, I know something you regret, <laughs> and I think this is part of the reason why I just don't think I can, I'll ever muster up the same panic or anger about any player ever again. Is Michael Beasley, yes, uh, genuinely like. Uh, things can look really bad, could sound like really bad ideas, and then you could be proven wrong. Like, this is the thing with Derrick Rose is that Derrick Rose is an incredibly talented basketball player. But now, what he still has, what he still can do, what he can offer in a game setting, what his knees can hold up, they're different questions, but 
is there a universe where you know everything does click back into place and he can be productive even good yeah i'm sure there is because he's like he's not your average guy he's a real nba player was one of the best so that might be the most unlikely outcome at this point it's still in play though i think that's something that it's one of these things jordan we're now grizzled old wiser than we used to be it's just very difficult to get quite as upset about this because it's also a case of huh, what do we know what do we know maybe we're going to be proven wrong i mean not to not to rain on the parade of all you kind people who spend your time listening to us but what do we know yes jordan jordan was very eager to join in on that that's the most jordan sentiment i've got across the podcast in a long time that's I just this should be a phrase is it is what what do I know? Yeah, that should be the disclaimer we run at the start of every episode. <laughs> we oh, have opinions. Episode we're also six podcast. What do we know? Maybe I'll try that next week. Um, from at Jay Spanberg, what are your expectations with a row signing salary question mark? Who do they get rid of to make room, and does it get them on their luxury tax? Uh, salary's going to be mid-level exception. Mm-hmm. Just it's it would be a question of whether they can do it for a little bit less than the full. Um, either way, I mean you're not going to be making major savings on that. Who do they get rid of to make room? I don't know. There, I, I, I think it. I feel like it would be Henson. Yeah, but that's the problem with this and the problem the books might be finding out right now is another team actually has to want him to get rid of him. You can't just want to get rid of him. I Yes. I it's kind of a stumbling that. block, you know? Oh, yeah. But I feel like if there's one... I mean, that applies to everybody that they... Yeah, but is he, not, three... is he not the most difficult? I think he's... If if we take it as guys with significant salary, Monroe, Henson, Deli, Toledovic. I guess, I mean, making real money, you can also throw Spencer Halls in there if you want to make a five, although he makes less than those four. I, think, I mean, if you're throwing in Haas, I feel like you'd be Haas. Is the hardest guy to move? Yeah, even if it's an expiring. He's an expiring, and he's only, like, he's less the cost. How is Hawes harder to move than taking on years of John Henson at twice the money? That's just I don't know hard. what I'm talking about. You You're don't. Right. There you go. Yeah. Uh, I, Henson <laughs> is the hardest of all five guys to move. Much like Cheryl Crow when saying. My prediction, and this is some optimism of this, would be it would be one year at mid-level exception. I don't know who they get rid of. I just think it won't be Henson as much as they try. If anything, like if it doesn't come about, it might just be because no one will take Henson. Does it get them under the luxury tax? They're going to do it regardless. So if it doesn't, they're going to do some other things. And possibly Are they going to get under the thumb tax? We don't know about that. From a David 121. 
Whether we want Rose or not, isn't it plumly level stupid to declare our interest for him publicly? What do we gain from that? That is, it was odd. I don't know if I, that felt very much off book to me. Off buck. Well, yeah, if you want to go <laughs> like that. Um, uh, the one thing I will say to kind of come back. And again, though, they back did against do that. the same thing with Ray Allen. Last, I think, wasn't it Kid himself that talked about <laughs> Ray Allen? Uh, no. Well, one of the people I know who spoke about Ray Allen. And did they do the same with Wade? Peter, Peter Fagan did the same, did it with Ray Allen. Which is like, well, I guess this is more common than we thought. (laughs) I think in Rose's case in particular, they're not actually bidding against anyone. Yeah. Like Rose doesn't, they can say that. Rose can know they want him. He still doesn't have leverage. His leverage effectively went when the Clippers signed Minos Teodosic and the Knicks uh, renounced his rights. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, you can't, there's no, there's no ability to do a sign trade at anymore those two things killed it like really uh so i don't i don't know if there's any team like who is if the books don't sign eric rose where does he end up is he in the nba I, that's a very fair question to ask you know the, the the answer to it probably is and he would not be a fan of this but he'd be left with no choices doesn't sign with the books he could be a late summer signing for someone like the Cavs on a minimum deal yep or even mid-season, honestly. Yeah, like he's his last option of actually making something respectable, not what he's been used to, but something respectable could be the books. So he has less leverage than the books, so them showing their hand doesn't affect that because he still has nowhere to go. From at Cheney Systems, I think the books will regret losing Jet if he leaves. Yes. Yeah, I think absolutely. I think um, this would just be like, I don't like to bring it back here because this should be in the past and something we can forget about. But remember when they let Zaza Dudley go and we were like, did I not understand the value of veterans? And then the, owners, that, the owners came out after that, though, and they said, look, we made a mistake. We didn't understand the value of veterans. If they were then to have a year where Jason Terry gave them something really important as that, and then they didn't bring him back, you just be going, what is what is the point of this? What are we doing here, Jordan? Yeah. I have Frank Bannon on most recent Lockdown Bucks talked about it. It goes back to 2001, too, when they brought in Anthony Mason. Um, 2010 Stackhouse in favor for like guys like Cordy Benghetti, Drew Gooden. Uh, it seems like it's a... <laughs> 21st century tradition for the Bucks. <laughs> it's, it's it's weird how everything keeps coming back full circle that way. And they would also miss out on actual skill-based things, like like his shooting, like yeah. his defense, which I don't think we expected last year. But other things came, became important. Who's going to be on the game for towel? He was on the towel. That's a, we have to say it was those. Great buck shirts for game three. Game four. Oh yeah, you think Yadis be on the towel? No. Jason no. Edward Terry is his middle name, Edward. Eugene. Eugene, that's right. Why did I say Edward? I 
I cannot finish this podcast anymore. I feel like I've had a great victory here that I knew a player's middle name and Jordan didn't. Uh, Jordan's very stressed about this. I don't know. I knew it. Uh, in his face. Um, Jet is the best for you know for reactions for photographers for everything. It's not a surprise. No one else is going to give you the kind of. Jet is the guy who will be waving a towel so that if you need a towel or someone could be waving a towel, you know, who are you going to turn to? Jet. I think you just said the word towel like five times. From uh, David Don't My towel would be, just for everyone to know, my towel would be the face Beasley made after Greg Monroe fake punched him. It would be that, ooh. <laughs> that might be a new profile pic. From a David Dunn 21 again. Why can't we have quality throwbacks? I don't know why there aren't. This is an interesting one for me. Um, this just seems like a win-win. And I don't understand why the, they don't want that win. Talk about so many other kind of business and financial things. Uh, one good reason to have throwbacks, to have like a Hardwood Classics jersey is, you know, people will buy them. Two, the books are really into doing kind of these cool and unique things, and they don't. I I don't understand if they don't this year have a throwback, so that they have a throwback they can wear when they play at the Mecca. I don't. Yeah. That would just be so bizarre. There has to be one this year. Yeah, I think too. I it's it's tough just because with the whole. Yeah, I wonder how they'll do that, and we won't know until the whole Nike exchange happens which from what i've read recently it's gonna probably be like right up until the season starts so not sometime mid-august does it go no i think it's like october that's i could be wrong on that to me how does that work for the league how do they let that deal happen that you know fans can't buy there are new players new free agents signing like if you're a Thunder fan, want to get your Paul George jersey? Well, you can't actually. They're, and they're a team who might have a rebrand as well, supposedly. Uh, yeah. So what? You just can't get it till right up before the season starts. Very, very strange. I think there's got to be one though this year. There's got to be with the Mecca thing. They've there has got to, to have. Um, got to have a nice green and red. Maybe the green and red with the Irish rainbow. Maybe something closer to championship time. Maybe that would be the route to go. Look, either one of those things would be very cool. I'd be very happy with either, and I would be trying to buy one if they made them available for sale. But saying that, they haven't always done that. I don't think they did that with the the purple and greens when... They did, but it was... I mean, we're talking about the prehistoric times with Hunter Cole. Like, it was a much different... Oh, of course. The distribution I... was different. And it's, look, let's be fair. That's not just on Herb Cole as opposed to new owners. Oh, yeah. I'm just saying the, league, whole... the league has moved in a big way in that time since. Um, from Pencil2292, are we destined to stretch Hawes to get under the cap at this stage? I'd... Could end up where they, they have to do that. I don't actually think that's a good thing. They'd be better keeping yeah. him for it. I just find it really lazy and it's more dead money on. They just don't need more dead money. Just let's get out of the dead money. They business. need more alive money. Exactly, Jordan. <laughs> That's the good, caption. <laughs> there's a good chance they end up stretching hoes, though. 
From at MTJR underscore 15. Will we be mediocre forever? <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, <laughs> sorry. I'm not laughing at the question. I just... No, no, you're you. The question tickled you. You enjoyed that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Imagine me with like a feather being tickled. Then. <laughs> I don't think they'll be mediocre forever, but they will have to get out of their own way at some point to not be. Let's look. They will. They probably won't be mediocre next year. They might be a little bit better than that. But if, if we're measuring not mediocre as in like really challenging for a title, yeah, jury's yeah. out on that one. It's all just because they may not be mediocre. You could be like a team like the Toronto Raptors, who I know a lot of people. Why like the whole question of running it back and all this stuff, right? Still, but that's it's the most. That's like their most successful period of of their team in their history. Yeah, you know I mean, like that's that still is something. That's the long-running Hawks debate, though, that they have yeah. finally pulled the trigger on. That was a team described as mediocre. They weren't actually mediocre. They were good, often on the low end of the good scale, but they were a little bit mm-hmm. better. So it depends on what you're judging it on. It's it's hard as well. I mean, even if they were, if they were like perfectly competent from an organizational standpoint. Not being mediocre is not just easy in the NBA. You can't flip the switch and be like, you know what? We're just not going to be mediocre anymore. That's it. Yeah. We've had enough of it. Now is when we're going to win. Doesn't work like that. From uh, Taylor Desh. Who's the guy in charge of not putting Giannis in the NBA's top 14 players from that graphic a few weeks ago? Grabs pitchfork and torch. Uh, That... This has happened a lot of times I've seen this around. That was the ESPN NBA rank from last year. So I don't know why that gets used before the season that's just happened has been played. I've seen it disused multiple occasions. Uh, it doesn't seem like the most obvious thing you'd reach for to rank players. So that was before last season. When NBA rank from... Uh, I know ESPN do theirs and... Um, Rob Mahoney and Ben Gulliver normally do one at Sports Illustrated as well. When they come out this year, I think we'll be in for some fun times. Some reason mm-hmm. to be happy and be like, oh, look at that. From at we underscore r underscore maxi. Can the books trade Henson? Technically, they can. <laughs> Uh, does any team want Henson? Yeah, that's a. I I think no. Yeah, I uh, I don't know. I just said five minutes ago he'd be the easiest to move, and now I'm saying I talked so. you out of that one very quickly. It's ne- it's never <laughs> difficult to win Jordan round. But he realized the error of his ways in that one. Yeah. From at man underscore two no. How large of a role will DJ Wilson be playing with the books next year? Hmm. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, Kid did say he would play. So yeah, 
he's going to get some minutes and then it's like, well, does he become what Tom became last season? That's up to him. It's like if he shows that he can play or the team are better with him than they are with someone else, maybe he gets more opportunity. Yeah. There's certainly... I wouldn't be surprised if we see some starts. And I think I, I say that most... I say that mostly because... Unless that they are, they roll back the starting lineup from last year, from post Jabari, uh, which I feel, yeah, they probably will. Yeah, I, I, ta- I, I rescind my. Yeah, that wasn't saying Jordan. Like, I mean, the, the... start. I said some starts. I'm saying just one. So the final yeah. game of the season. No, he can get someone's hurt. Jabari's hurt. That's a massive hole. Yeah, Jabari's they hurt. Go... So Jabari's hurt. They play. Uh, Derek Rose, <laughs> Chris Middleton, Tony Snell, Giannis, you know, uh, one of I those what guys. If Snell's and, hurt. And Tom. Okay, one of those guys gets hurt. Mirtz is getting the minutes. Maybe Sterling Brown gets the minutes. You know, I think I don't think DJ Wilson's most obvious one. Particularly if you're starting Ton. I don't know how a DJ Wilson Ton from court in an actual NBA game would look what right a, now. What a Thon is with the herd. I don't think that will happen that much. I really I'm don't. just throwing these out here. Anything's you're on the table. Have, a, whole a, lot. have a biscuit, a buttered biscuit. <laughs> don't mind if I do. Um, from uh, Manos Cortuno again, is center a temporary position for Ton or will he be the book's big man going forward? No, it's not temporary. No, he's, you want him to be a five. That's Yeah, this is not a sprint, it's a marathon at the center like, position. The goal is to have a stretch five like Ton could be. So by playing him at the four, he's not he doesn't have the other things you want your NBA four to have. You're losing something there. It's like if you can make him your five, all's good. Yeah. And that's it for us for this week, Jordan. We'll be back with you next week at the latest. Don't you dare tempt fate, anyone. <laughs> this is one of these occasions where people are rooting against the emergency podcast. Uh, next week at the latest, we'll be back. And when, if in that case, the emergency podcast bat signal is shining through the, the skies, I will play the sound effect on my keyboard. Just the siren again, or? Oh, yeah, the siren. Okay, I was, I was getting excited. I thought we were going to get, like, you were going to play Kiss from a Rose as the opening for the button. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe it's just 50 minutes of Chris Harrison, the host of The Bachelor and Bachelorette. Saying, will you accept this rose? And it's like remix. <laughs> I, I am that. terrified that someone, one particular listener, is going to make that now uh, <laughs> because remixes like that and the bachelor slash bachelorette is very much within one of our listeners. Yeah, let's cut that out. <laughs> um, in the meantime, make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, follow the SoundCloud. Addison Stitcher. You can check out all of our work behind the book pass.com. 
and we'll be back with you next week. Thanks very much for listening. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you.